Welcome to American Narratives. I'm Marianne Pina. And I'm Joe Frotcham. And we are here today with one of my favorite people, Annette Underwood. Annette, welcome to American Narratives. Thank you. Let me give you just a little bit of an intro on Annette. Annette has a real interesting background um, from the North, and now she's in the South, right? Um, currently, she is at Vista Energy, where she's been for about 12 years uh, in progressively larger HR roles with TXU and Energy Future Holdings, and uh, currently is the Chief Diversity Officer in a large uh, $12 billion company. So big role. I'm going to learn a little bit more about that. Part of that, Annette was with Delta Airlines, and initially where she was for a number of years also, showing a lot of stability in your career. So that's that's good to see. We don't always see that nowadays. Oh, yeah. I know how to stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> or get into just enough trouble not to get you in too much. Trouble. Exactly. So um, She went to uh, University of North Texas, Go Mean Green, where she got a bachelor's in science and behavioral analysis. And what we learned is that she actually started with a passion in a fashion and merchandise. So yes. uh, at Davenport University. So that was kind of an interesting wrinkle. Anyway, welcome, Annette. It's great having you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Terrific. So let's get started. Um, tell us more about you. Uh, where were you born? Where were you raised? And, and tell us more about your family. Wow. Um, interesting stories. Um, I was actually born in Newark, New Jersey in a winter storm. But I never lived there a day in my life. My mother was visiting a family member. Um, there was a big storm. She couldn't leave, and she went into labor there. And so my birth certificate says Newark, New Jersey. Um, but I spent most of my years in Michigan. Um, my mother kind of was a gypsy, and she would move between three states, North Carolina, Texas, and Michigan. Um, but I spent most of my years in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the north. Great. Yeah. Tell us about your family. So siblings, size of family, kind of a, what was your family dynamic growing up? Um, my mother got married early in college. She was very smart. She was valedictorian. She played basketball, went to college on scholarship, basketball scholarship, but married after her first year, um, dropped out of college and became a wife and a mom. And, um, you know, got divorced fairly young. Um, and so I was raised in a single family, mom, five children. Um, she did go back to school and, and get her nursing license. Um, but still, it was a lot. And I was the oldest. And so I always had that role of being the other parent and being the helper. Um, very close-knit siblings. Um, everyone's, you know, doing pretty good. Everyone found a profession that works for them. But we were all very close. Interesting. Who were, who, what did you want to be when you were, grew up, when you were kind of in those formative years? Who was your major influence, and what did you think you would do in life from a career standpoint? You know, I, I didn't think of it early on. You know, my mother always had very strict um, kind of requirements for education. I mean, you didn't get below a B, or that was serious business. You were afraid to go home if you got a C. That was not happening. Um <laughs> And so she was very strict about education and, you know, just accountability, you know, how you behaved in front of others. That was very important to her. Um, but I didn't talk a lot about what I want to be or, be or what I want to do. In my senior year, I walked into the counselor's office and said, so where am I going to school? 
that's how much I thought about it. And she said, well, let's see what's available. And so I um, actually started out in criminal justice. Really? Because I thought I'm going to be a crime scene investigator. That looks cool. And my advisor after my first year said, I don't think this really fits you. Interesting. You kind of have a chip on your shoulder. And I was like, what? So I said, okay, well, my next best thing is clothes. And so I studied fashion. um, And I was fascinated by the fashion world and clothes. And and growing up poor, that was something I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of got myself in that world and became very big on clothes and the experience of buying and traveling to New York and it was good. Well, it, it sounds pretty glamorous, actually. It sounds interesting and certainly aspirational, but at one point you pivoted. Right. Yes. Um, about the time I was getting into the retail industry, it was changing. It was going from department stores having one or two full-time people and a lot of part-time people that, you know, they were getting into that role of not covering as many as kind of changing their landscape. Um, it was a lot of work. It was hard work. It was, I probably would have stayed in it, honestly. Um, but I relocated to South Carolina and I couldn't find a job in retail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up working for the state of South Carolina in procurement um, because wow. I had the buying experience and I worked in the mining division um, buying copiers and cars for the state and things like that. A little bit different than wardrobe. (laughs) Yeah, just a bit. The clientele, the end use, the price points, you know, the whole whole thing would be different. But it shows some range at your point. You just made do. Well, I learned early that you identify your skill, and that can take you several different places. I really wasn't hung up on being one thing or staying in one industry. It was, can I do it? And if I could do it and make it fit, then, then I would try it. Well, let's move on. So at one point you ended up in North Texas and uh, at University of North. Like, how did that happen? And why did you choose your degree within University of North Texas? Um, so I was with Delta. And the, you know, the airlines, I could see it was going in a different direction. When I started, it was fun. And you did five course meals in first class. And you set up bars on Friday for the businessmen. And it was really fun. And then it became more and more regulated and a little less fun. Um, but I could see somewhere down the road I needed to do something different. So North Texas, I lived in Denton, said I'll try a couple classes. And Next thing I know, I said, I think I'm going to just do something new. Um, I was going into actually a different field, and I took a a class in behavior analysis, and it was so fascinating to me. I thought, no, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I did it with kids and a full-time job. And actually, the year I finished, because, you know, with kids and a full-time job, it took me a while was the year of 9-11. Interesting. So I was working full-time in an empty airport from 10 at night to 3 in the morning, just listening to people who were stranded all over the country, going to school full-time, taking my kids to soccer, my son to swimming. I mean, it was you'd be surprised how many hours you have in the day. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. That's all I got there. Yeah, I completely understand that. That the, it's the I, five kids was a single father for at one point. Uh, it's amazing how how many hours you have and how little sleep you need sometimes. Yes, <laughs> those kind of those kind of environment. So sounds like you've had multiple roles in different industries. What have you enjoyed the most or least about some of those jobs? Um, I would say the airline industry. What I enjoyed the most is that one, you never got bored. It was a challenge. It was, you know, any interpersonal interaction that you can imagine you will experience over the course of your career in the airline business. And so you learn people's skills. I learned my most valuable people skills there. But I didn't like the inconsistency. I didn't like, there was this feeling of, you know, the living out of the suitcase I didn't like. And as things became more regulated and safety became more of a focus. It was generally more stressful. Um, When they closed the Dallas base, I knew I wanted to do something else. Um, And so the energy feel I love. It is um, what I like the most is that you have, we have three different cultures. And they all have bring something a little different to the table. You know, during the winter storm, the people at the plants and mines have this determination, and they wouldn't go home, and they stayed there because they take this pride in their work, and they knew people needed electricity. That was very important to them, and it's good to see that kind of, kind of loyalty to their, their product and their customers. Um, what can be difficult is, is it is a regulated industry, and everybody has their eyes on, indus- on, on energy. Um, so sometimes you have to pivot very quickly and make changes. And um, I think it's a misunderstood industry, mm-hmm. um, too, but it has, its, it has its challenges. You went from, um, it's interesting, kind of face customer-facing roles in the airline industry to the energy industry, where you've had progressively larger roles in human resources. You know? Yes. What, you know, how did you pivot from a career standpoint? Because you've had merchandising, procurement, uh, airline, now human resource within within the energy industry. Those are some very, pretty significant pivots. Yeah. Right? But what, they're, they're all people-related, though. Interesting. Yeah. And I understood that my skill was it's not math. I'm not artistic. But I had the ability, and I don't know if it's my background of going, being poor and being around all different people, but I have the ability to relate and, and communicate with people. And so anywhere, you know, I always tell people, find out what your skill is, and then, you, you know, where does it work? And so with, you know, HR, you're talking to, and I was specifically in employee relations, so mine's all employee-facing. You know, I'm not concerned with your vacation or anything like that. It's all, you know, we have an issue we need to discuss. So it has been the best fit for me, believe it or not. Like all my previous training has made this a good fit for me. Was there a moment in time, Annette, that you had that aha moment? It was like, oh, this is what I'm actually good at. Yeah. When um, actually following 9-11, you know, um, we had a lot of flight attendants that were afraid to get back on the plane. And my 
coworkers would say, hey, Anne's scared to get back on the plane. Can you talk to her? And before I knew it, I had a line of flight attendants outside my office waiting for me to convince them they needed to get back on the plane (laughs) (laughs) or go home, one of the two. And so then I realized everybody started, you know, I realized that was my skill set. Um, Delta Airlines had a crash, you guys remember, in the late 80s, and then another one in the 90s. And um, the more stressful things would get, the calmer I would get. And again, I realized, wow, for some reason I operate very well in this space. And so after 9-11, they sent me off and spent a couple days with the Air Marshals and NORAD and the FBI, and I learned um, techniques that I could go back and teach about surviving on the airplane and a terrorist attack. And, you know, so my ability to stay calm and, uh, and communicate is what I always focus on. You know, and that's the vibe I get from you. I, I mean, I, you, you have a very calming, thoughtful, uh, objective, yet empathic kind of a vibe. You really do. And, but and empowering it, all at the same time. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I, I, you know, if, if you were my HR person, I think I'd be in your office pretty regular, too. I think I'd, I'd <laughs> want to run stuff by you and want your perspective because I, I would feel like I get a real objective, thoughtful, uh, meaningful perspective that sometimes other people don't, especially in times of stress and challenge. Yeah, um, they always laugh. And when I would do investigations, they would say, for some reason, she can get people to tell her things that's going to get them fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I would spend that much time with you. I'd be in trouble. That's funny. Yeah, but it, but that is certainly a gift you bring. And that's interesting, the commonality. And, and career choice, so much of the times we look at accounting versus procurement, as if your career is all about a particular functional path. But in reality, it's your passions and interests and and unique gifts that can transport across all of those if you know what they are. Yes. Right? Human resources is just one interesting application. So you're in progressively larger HR roles. Until you got to this point now, at an interesting time to be the chief diversity officer at a large company like Vistra, what was it about this role that attracted you and brought you in? You know, that's a great question. I get asked a lot. Um, So after the George Floyd incident, you know, there was so much emotion and so many conversations. And I think every company had a CEO come out and make a statement. Um, Actually, years ago, in 2013, we tried to start a diversity program. And it kind of wasn't a good time. So um, I, I talked to the VP of HR, and I said, I have no idea what you plan on doing with this, but I'd like to help finish what we started. And so we really just started working on it. I had no idea there would actually be a position. So the end of that year when they said, we think we're going to turn this into a full role, I wasn't sure I wanted to apply for it, actually. Oh. I thought, I'm good at ER. I have a good reputation. I have, you know, I, I you know, th- this is this is my skill set. And I actually have my team and different friends and coworkers said, no, you have to do this. This is a part of what you do anyway. Um, so I, I thought about it. And, uh, you know, I'm a big musical Broadway person. I love Broadway musicals. And I also, also always listen to 
My Fair Lady, and she sings this song before the parade passes by. And I was listening to that, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And so, you know, it really is a part of what I already do. It's just more of a positive part, but I still dealt with, you know, issues involving gender and race, and so the work wasn't new. Well, the external piece is new, um, but it was a fit. It had to be a fit for me to go for it. Yeah. What are some of your challenges and areas of focus then in the, in this current role? I mean, it's it's a, it's an a, it's certainly the conversation started in ways they've never started over the last year or so, and they've translated to the workplace. Certainly, we've been told we can't be on the sidelines, right? Yes, we've got to be in the game, and um, you know, very transparently, and even in our status and our you know every aspect of our lives is affected by that, obviously, at some level. What are your areas of focus as a CDO within Vistra? Um, it's a, my big area of focus. I mean, I have a lot of responsibilities, my, but my focus is the culture. There's, um, there's a lot of somewhat distrust there. Um, there are groups that feel like there's definitely privilege. And even though they're excited about where we are, I don't know that they really believe that we're going to follow through on what we say. And so I do want a culture. I mean, we have a great environment. I mean, people like working where they work. Um, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And I want to see everybody feel like they have an equal shot to compete. I mean, at the end of the day, that should be your goal internally. We have different goals externally in the community and, and helping and that type of thing. But internally... If everybody walks through the door and say, if there's something I want, I have an equal opportunity, then we've done a good job. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So, Annette, thinking back through your career progression, um, you know, we make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Is there one mistake that comes to mind that has really changed your perspective? Or And, and tell us more about that and what your learning has been. Wow. Um, I've made a couple. <laughs> I think the one that has stuck with me the most is um, in communicating. I think in my younger days, um, I felt my message was more important than what the other person had to say. Um, and that either resulted in people being afraid of me <laughs> or being uh, ostracized or... Um, some people got it. They did think my message was more important. But but I learned that wasn't productive. And one day I hurt someone's feelings. Well, two things happened. One day I hurt someone's feelings that I really like. And then the other incident was a lady was asking me for something, and I proceeded to tell her, and she just yelled at me and said, you're not listening. And it kind of startled me a little. And then I realized I really need to stop. And I need to know when, even if I know the answer, know when to let other people talk and let other people do. So that was a big turning point in my life. I just changed. It's like I flipped a switch. And I think that's helped me um, a great deal. I, everybody doesn't need to know my wisdom all the time. I need to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Except our boys, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, thank you for sharing that. Has there ever ever been anything that has seemed unfair to you? And if so, how did you overcome it? 
I think being a female and a minority, you run into a lot of things that appear to be unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, timing. You choosing between being a full time mom and being a full time employee and passing up opportunities. Um, I had to pass up opportunities, you know, at Delta um, for promotion because they require that I be fully committed to them and not to my family. And I felt like that was unfair, but I, I made the decision to pass on them. Mm-hmm. I think we're coming, we've come a long way and we're getting better about that. But I, I think as a, as a woman, that's always been somewhat of a hindrance. You had to choose. Yeah. Yeah, that, and it probably didn't feel unfair, and I do think there's kind of an evolution around that, but I'm sure those people still confront that. Right? Oh, yeah. Nowadays, and those those things that we need to be a little bit more enlightened. It's a journey. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, where, do you, where do you think this is going? I mean, you are now a strategist in the diversity space for a large, meaningful company with a big public mandate in many of the communities you serve. It's a big role. You know, and you've it been is. a little bit kind of volunteered to be in it. And right? you know what? The first two months, that didn't, I didn't get that. I was like, everybody's like, congratulations, it's a big deal. I was like, yeah, okay, I mean, I'm going to do my same thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, things started happening. And I was like, wow, this is a big role. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, I do have a big budget to help. I have... Mm-hmm. And it took it took about sixty days for it to sink in that this was a big role. I wasn't thinking that way at the beginning. Um, I um I feel good about it. I mean, what a great way to be able to end your career or your you know your last important years of your career with making a change. Yeah. And I mean, I think we're redefining diversity too. You know, and you know, prior to George Floyd. When people talked about it, they talked about it in silos. They talked about women. They talked about people of color. They talked about veterans. And now we're just broadening that scale um, because you have to to get people to listen. If they focus on one thing, it's just not as effective. Um, So it, it, it is a big role, I think. I mean, I'm in it at the best time. We have so many peer groups across the country, and we talk every week and we share ideas and you know so it feels like a unified effort like I'm not just doing it like there's thousands of us doing it and we talk all the time so it really is different well and and you have leaders attention now in ways that probably wasn't true in times past oh yes you know and where it is becoming more ingrained mission critical uh it's not do we need to take this seriously how do we do it what does that mean for us and there's going to be strong emotions on both sides. Oh, yeah, definitely strong. But if you have good um, executive presence, and we do, I mean, I don't think I would be doing as much or be as far as I am in a year if we didn't have executives saying, what do you need? It makes it a little easier. You still have to work with your middle management and your workforce. But having that at the top is really important. What lessons would you then want to our listeners to, to kind of take from your experience? You've pivoted a few times, you've grown, you've developed, uh, you've had impact, and now you're in the biggest role of your career, right? That's that's success any way you look at it, honestly. Yeah. And and uh, you are a woman of color, right? Yes. From from that's been in a few different states and experiences. 
What do you want our audience to hear and learn and take from your experience? Um, a couple things. You know, I, I, I met as many people different people as I could. Even when I was young, in college, I would go to every different church I could go to just to find out what they did at their church. And they didn't stay in all day like we do in the black churches. You know, what? what's going on? I was always <laughs> curious about other people. You know, the more you're exposed to other people, just the more you learn. The better food, the better music, the better, you know. Just learn as much as you can. Get outside your bubble. And then I always tell people, find out what you're good at. Not where you want to work, because if you do something for money and you're not good at it, it truly is work. You're going to be struggling every day. Find out what you're good at and then try that out in as many different areas as you can. You know, you couldn't have told me 20 years ago that I was going to be here. I would have been like, get out of here. I'm not going to be a CDO. I'm not going to be, a, you know. Um, but I just kept moving. When doors open, I kept moving. And I was careful to pick things that matched with my skill set. I think that I, I love that. I mean, it's it's a couple of things. We were at a session about a year and a half ago at a client, and there were a bunch of tenured uh, leaders, and they are all been out of college at least 20 years. I remember asking the question, how many of you are in a role you knew even existed when you were in college? Nobody put their hand up. That strategic improvisation is so incredibly important, I think. And I think you've you've shown that, you know, just in, you know, the kind of brief description we've got of your your background in spades. It's really important. And also knowing what you love, being committed to it. And and I, I get the vibe. What you said as far as always being open to other people's vantage points, perspectives and new and experiences, I get I sense that from you. And I think that's the heart of diversity, honestly. Oh yeah. Kinda comes with it. And you know. I'm traveling and trying different things. I taught my kids to do that. Uh, my son's a big traveler and loves to try everything, and I'm glad I was able to give that to them. Um, so they can, I mean, you grow. The more you, I mean, that little, little cheesy saying, the more you know, the more you grow, yeah. really has a whole lot of heart to it. It you really know? does, yeah. It does. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Annette. This has been very helpful. Uh, this is this has really been interesting to get to know you at a little bit more level. Anything, kind of last words of advice for our audience? Last words of advice. Um, keep an open mind. I'll tell you what, I, I love that. When we close it, we start staking claims and we oh, yeah. start uh, saying us versus them yes. versus us and us. Yep. And I think it's the root of a lot of the silliness we see in the world. So, for sure so that's great stay open guys you may make that the title of this thing so thank you so much <laughs> have a good you. one appreciate it American Narratives is brought to you by CMP, a minority and women-owned firm providing solutions across the full talent life cycle, from recruitment and assessment to leadership coaching and career transition solutions. To learn more, visit www.careermp.com.